welcome back to the VHS Vault. I'm your host, Jason. Of course, here's my excellent co-host, Jason Roy Gaston. It's the two Jasons with you. Really excited to talk about today's film, Jason, because we are... Are we, though? films in in this franchise, and I ain't talking fast and the furious here, my friend. Mm. We are looking at Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. Now, if I had a nickel for every time we've had a final Friday the 13th movie, I'd have two nickels, but it's strange that it's happened twice. Mm -hmm. It's also very strange, and I'm sure you're going to bring this up, is the fact that this film is not titled Friday the 13th. No, it's actually not, because this was the first movie that was not produced, or the first Friday the 13th movie that was not produced by Paramount. It was produced by New Line, who bought the rights to Jason, but neglected to buy the rights to the title Friday the 13th. And that's why the two movies that were produced by New Line, Friday the 13th, I'm sorry, the three movies that were produced by New Line, Friday the, uh, Jason Goes to Hell, Jason X, and Freddy vs. Jason, are not called Friday the 13th. They didn't have the rights. Which that I think is, is so strange. To me that they yeah, that you would make this negotiation deal and for branding marketing purposes alone not get friday the 13th yeah um, i don't know it's very weird but it's a good title them. i mean it's a good title I, i'll give them yeah that. and thankfully for them jason has become an iconic horror character so really the fact that just the word jason's in the title hey it's going to make it amazing because it's an amazing name but it's very well recognized at this point you know? Yes. Um, so this is a film that would have been hard for them to come up with an idea. Because what do you do at this point? You know, we've even taken Jason to New York at this point. Yes. The uh, the idea that they originally started with, I kind of wish they'd gone with. Because they were going to call it Jason Goes to L.A. Which, you know, he's already visited the East Coast. Why not the West Coast? The story was going to be that there was going to be two rival gangs who were doing gang things and, you know, uh, drive-bys shooting at each other, generally not getting along. Mm. And then all of a sudden, Jason Voorhees shows up and starts slaughtering them. Doesn't matter if you're wearing blue or red, he's going to kill you. And so the gangs have to work together to get Jason out of their turf. <laughs> uh, so some coked-out executive goes, hear me out, Friday the 13th meets Boys in the Hood. And again, think of the time. This was the early '90s. That kind of movie was in, and that and we had. That was another. Yeah, if Leprechaun could go to the hood, why not Jason? Exactly. A number of reasons why not Jason, but uh, the biggest one was that they thought, you know what? Let's kill him off. We finally got him. Let's kill him. Because that was also another big thing that was happening in the early 90s was that they were killing off these legacy horror staples. Freddy Krueger was going to be killed off. They were going to well, kill off Jason. He was already gone at this point, hadn't he? Was I he already he... gone by this point? Oh, that's right. He was... was because he was yeah, down in hell six. waiting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, and it's an interesting, it's a bold choice, Jason, to go, we are going to kill off the main character in this film. And really try to create a film that so wildly different. So I don't want to be critical about taking a chance because we get amazing things from people taking a chance. 
this and is then, a challenge. And then we also get, well. yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah. people try new things and it comes out amazing. And sometimes you get Jason goes to hell. I applaud them for doing something different. But sometimes that little voice that tells you no and you override it and say yes, sometimes you should listen to that little voice that says no. Because this voice must have been screaming no the entire time. The one time the voice actually uh, helped them, and I'm glad did they listen to the voice, is actually the opening scene. The opening scene discussed. is spectacular, yes. Yeah, and, and Jace, I'm going to let you roll with it. Why is the opening scene so spectacular in your mind? The opening scene is amazing, first of all, because it playfully trots out every single Friday the 13th cliché, from wonky electrical lighting to gratuitous nudity to someone even saying, Is someone there? Everything you expect from a Friday the 13th movie happens. And then, right when she runs out the door and he's chasing her, the floodlights come on and Every single cliche is thrown out the window. Jason is confronted by a flippin' SWAT team. And again, it is logical that this would be happening. Because if this guy's been running around Crystal Lake killing people for, at this point, 10 years, somebody's got to notice and somebody's got to call the authorities. And they do. They come in and they take care of business. Now, the only part of the scene that I don't like is Jason screaming. I don't like it when Jason makes noises because uh, he's the silent killer. But if you're going to watch this movie and you're looking for a redeeming feature, watch the first 10 minutes because the first 10 minutes are amazing. You know, I feel like you know, and I suppose this is a giveaway what I think of the film, but that's the film. The first 10 minutes extended out with a plot about cops realising they've got this killer, what they do, what's the plan. That's the film they should have gone with. There would have been enough freshness in that. And I've got to ask, why didn't you get Tommy back for this film, Jason? They didn't have the rights to him because Duke was what? supposed to be Tommy. Really? So yeah. they wanted to bring in time, but who are the lawyers making this deal at New Line, people? I don't know who they are, but uh, they need to be fired. A lot like Jason, the movie goes straight to hell after that. I look, I like the hospital scene. I'm even enjoying the hospital scene, all right? I'm yes. I'm doing that. I'm going, yeah. all right, well, what's happening here? You've got this thing in pieces, basically, because they blow him up, you know, so you've got this body in pieces and you've got the, the guy at the morgue. You know, being the normal... 80s morgue workers couldn't give a rat's ass, by the way. Can I no, they're that? eating pizza over the yeah. body. They're like spilling soda in the cavity. Is going, yeah, this dude's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get my so government paycheck. I'm in, and I'm in. And I particularly like this actor. There he's drinking his soda over the corpse. Yes. And I, I like that actor. But this is where it gets weird. Yes. That what is he hypnotized about something? Because I don't see any supernatural element. He just becomes transfixed for some reason. Makes no sense. It and then doesn't. he grabs out the heart and almost like it's an impulsive need. He starts chewing on that oversized black self beating heart. 
Um, that's not my problem, by the way. The self-beating heart, because Jason is unstoppable, all right? So he's supernatural. So you can cut him into a million bits. I'm just like, oh, okay, he's going to... Is this guy going to sew him back together, you know, for the funeral, perhaps, you know? They were going to have an open casket, apparently. Um, but it, that's where this film takes the left turn that I just don't get at all. Is just like, why did you think turning, killing off that character and now... Because he's imbibed the blood of Jason, he's now inhabiting the evil spirits of Jason. Because once he eats it, don't we get this kind of like the ghost from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark coming out and invading his body? I have to admit, that's a really cool looking effect, though. The fact that they have the animated light beams and then whenever they make contact with the actor, there's a little squib of light where they go in and that was a practical effect. I thought that looked really good. But... As you said, the lore change to Jason. Drastically. Drastic. It is, It is. this is the uh, Halloween movies <clears throat> where all of a sudden Michael Myers is the result of a cult or something like that. Oh, I don't the know. Druids. That's, yeah, oh, the Druid the arc. This, this is almost the same thing, only multiplied up. by 10. Because yeah. nothing in this movie makes sense. It all comes out of left field. And you are basically removing the thing that people come to see because Jason is the star. You've just taken the star out of the movie. And again, I applaud them for trying to do something different, but if you're going to kill off the character, this was not the time to try to do something different. We then cut to Aaron Gray. Yes. From Buck Rogers. Gray, dude, what is she doing in this film? She needed to make a car payment. I think so, because I'd only seen her prior to this as Buck Rogers, and that was almost yeah. a decade earlier. But she's a very competent actress. She is. To be, yeah, and we have a few competent actors in this film. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned Stephen Williams, Duke. Yes. Stephen He's Williams. Great. He X from great. He's great. X from The X-Files. Also, the sergeant from 21 Jump Street. you got to remember, that was a phenomenon in the late Yes, days. young Johnny uh, Depp. So yes, I do remember that. Yeah, so he was he was a big name. The problem was the idea of Duke. Like, no setup before. And I'm not even convinced watching the film. What was the triggering point to investigate? What is his tie to this whole franchise? That is where I think this movie falls apart the most. It was because of studio interference. Now, I watched the unrated cut of this movie because if I have a if I have a choice between the rated cut and the unrated cut, I will watch the unrated cut because I want to see what they what they put out there and what they wanted to put out there. In the unrated cut, there is a unusually explicit sex scene that takes place in a tent. And it just seems to happen for no reason other than to get people, you know, naked and getting it on. Uh of course, it all culminates in a fantastic kill, kill that is both gory and amazing. It's got some great prosthetic work in it. But again, it's completely out of place. It turns out that the studio mandated that this scene in the tent be added because there was not enough nudity in the movie. I thought they... And they, they also demanded that the movie be kept under 90 minutes so that it could be played as many times as possible while it was in theaters. Thus... The motivation for Duke was left on the cutting room floor. That motivation being that one of his girlfriend, that his girlfriend was a victim of Jason. 
that's why whenever he handcuffs Jason at the end of the movie and says, hey, remember me? And Jason looks at him and goes, no. <laughs> of course he wouldn't. There's no reason to. But yeah, time information I didn't know at all. Yeah, so that, that was it. Here's another yeah. piece of information. Duke survives the movie. Did you know that? He yeah. survives. Uh, that's a good question, but they fully intended for him to survive because they were going to give him some spinoff movies. And it just never worked out because this movie was not as successful as they hoped it would be. I will so, give yeah. Stephen Williams this. He's an intense actor and he's played oh. intense in this. And oh, I'm yes. not going to criticize his performance, nor am I going to criticize Aaron Gray's performance because I thought they were both really good as a... Like, they both needed the money. Well, I don't know if Stephen Williams did, but he probably saw it as an opportunity to get into films. Um, do you know how they? Do you know how he said yes to this part? He said that he would play Duke on the condition that he got to dress like a cowboy. Works. And he got what he wanted, so I guess they they decided, yeah, let's let's get Stephen Williams. Yeah. Plus, it must be a bit of fun because you're the guy that's going to help finally get kill this character off. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. Um, there's another really great performer here, and I can't. I'm trying to find his name because I don't have it up. But I love him because he's been in a lot of films. He plays the, where are we, the boyfriend. Who's yeah, a great I don't iteration. remember. I don't remember and the character either. Oh, he's stuff, so slimy. But he was yes. in this great film with Kevin Costner where he played Robert F. Kennedy. And it was like three about three days. It was about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Was it JFK? No, 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 13 days, 13 days. 13 days, which yes. is a great film. I love that film. Little little film. Um, but he, he's really good. And he, he's a really good actor. And he gets a couple of moments in this film to kind of really ham it up, which I didn't mind too much. But, um, yeah, it's the whole setup, isn't it? Now, it could remind me, who is Erin Gray again? What's her deal? Was she... A character that we'd seen in a previous iteration that they recast her as? No, she. this is the first time she showed up because uh, she is Jason Voorhees' unknown sister. Because apparently right. he's had Sorry, a sister the entire here. time. That's why I forgot it because I'm like, sister. Like, um, you know. So you have a twin sister. sister. Exactly. It's like, it worked for Return of the Jedi. Damn it. It's going to be in this final film. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then it's really dealing with her, and we, is this another attempt to do the whole um, psycho opening with, you think it's Erin Gray, the main character of this film, but she's not the main character of this film? I think that they attempted, because there are a lot of shout-outs to other horror movies There's here. a lot. A lot. You see the Necronomicon at one point. You see yes. the crate from Creep Show at one point. Yes, uh, and of course the ending. Yeah, you you see the the Jungle Gym from the Birds at one point. Oh, which yes. I, I I love they, these they little shoutouts. Doesn't he push it over? Yes, he does. But yeah, still, I dude. love the shoutouts. Yeah. Yeah. And of yeah. course, so, this confirmed that Jason is a deadite, also. Which I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I could go with that. I don't know if Sam Raimi was happy with that, but I'll go with it. Um, I don't know if I would have. I'm sure he was signed off at it in the beginning and then saw it and went, oof, we'll just. Mm. Yep, whatever, guys, whatever, you know. Um, Needs more fast pans. <laughs> yeah, 
so essentially, we it's the daughter we stay, uh, stick with, don't we? We go to the yes. daughter of Erin Gray and her douchebag boyfriend, who I just showed before, who's a TV reporter. Um, in a way, he's kind of like the Doctor from Part Seven. In a way, like oh that. yeah, yeah, or the guy, um, you know, the guy on the boat in Part Eight. You know, that kind of can't it's be a very slimy guy. person. Yeah, yeah, he's got hidden agendas going. You know. Um, but yeah, I can't groove with this movie because I'm watching it going. So Jason's basically not in this film. Where and yeah, you know, I'd seen this once when I was younger and I blocked it out of my mind. But it was so easily remembering this is like that's right, Jason's not in this film. Where this is a film about possession. Yes. You know, um, which could have worked. And I've seen it work in other films. There's a great little horror film from 1988 called The Hidden. Never seen mm, that film. Great movie, yes. Great kind of little horror film. I felt a bit of that vibe happening here. So maybe with all the references, Jason, all the, the shout-outs to other movie, that it got way too focused on that and not focused on what it needed to be. Um, because it's a mess. This movie is an unmitigated mess um and i can i will stand by with the vitriol of a lot of fans that have that do not like this movie i stand with them because in a way it was a big attempt to try and do something different but it felt very much an insult nine film films in so i've already talked about why i think that removing the main character from this movie was a Huge mistake, but I really lay it at the foot of the screenwriter and their director, who I believe just did not understand the appeal of these movies at all. Yes, they tried to do something different. Different is not always good. I even think that if you removed Jason Voorhees from this movie altogether and just made it a possession movie, it still wouldn't be that good. No. Just because it is no. edited terribly. Uh, for example, there's a scene in the diner where uh, I can't remember the character's name. I think it was Roxy, the very uh, the very mean uh, diner owner gets knocked out and she's laying on the floor. Yeah. And they show her laying on the floor, knocked out. Then they cut and she's up again, shooting a gun. That's just that's just negligence right there. That's that's inexcusable. Well, it's 1993, right? So you're cutting on a digital avid. Like, if you're going to go behind the scenes. So you're not doing real to real here, which could have been an excuse for some B-grade films of the 70s. You know, you're not physically cutting the, the negative and splicing it together and stuff. It, it is inexcusable. It's poor choices. It's not only the bad editing there, Jason. There, this thing is just full of odd jump cuts. It is. throughout this film. Um, the editing... And I don't know who the editing was, guy, and you've clearly made a career, so what do I know? But it really lets this film down. But there's a lot about this film that lets itself down. Um, there is. One of the things that I was excited about and then ultimately disappointed in was John D. LeMay, who plays the main character. And I'm going to have to look it up because it was so uh, you know forgettable. Steven, who plays Steven. Yeah. I was excited when I saw he was in this movie when he first shows up because my first thought was, oh, they're doing a crossover with the TV show because John D. Uh, Malay was in the Friday the 13th 
TV show that was running about the same time. So I got really excited. I was like, ooh, where are they taking this? Are they going to link this to the TV show? No. No. No, no. He's a different He's a different character. Um, my question is why? Why would they do something like that? Why would they introduce a character played by an actor who's in the TV show based on the movie that he's currently in and not be the same character? Considering they had already, New Line had produced the Freddy's Nightmare show. Which, which was, was a great very show. very good at doing individual anthology stories, but still keeping it within the mythology and driving it. You know, we got to see how Freddy became Freddy in that great episode. Even the track episode, when those people are running track. Like, you know, so they were smart enough on that side of the fence to keep that going. But yeah, you build a series, which was promoted heavily at the time, if I remember. It was a big deal. It was a here. great show. And it was. don't... There's your freshness, right, Jason? If mm-hmm. you're looking to do something different, there it is. Yeah. You, you, you evolve and you shape that. Have no, the I, haunted, have the artifact, the antique that they get in the shop be a hockey mask. Oh, this is the most dangerous thing you we, could ever be. This has to be put up now. Oop, mm. too late. Somebody's taking it. We have to get it back. Oh, no, Jason's here. Mm. That would have been know, awesome. Well, I'm, uh, there is one moment I'm really happy that happened, only because I'm a fan of... Uh, well, you're more of a fan, but I'm a big fan of Kane Hodder as well. We actually get to see Kane playing a role as a security guard. Yes, and it's such a funny payoff, I believe. Yeah, it is. It is a great little payoff. So it was nice to see him get those moments. What do you think about the whole transferring of the spirit, which was basically a really gross tongue kiss? I thought it was dumb. I yes. that's it. It's just dumb. It's it's shock value. Light beams? Yeah, I, just yeah, I don't light. know. Uh it none of it I, I have no words. Just it was dumb. That's it. Mm. It was just dumb, 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 dumb. It's just like oh, I don't know how you think. And obviously we get to the end of the film and we you know, Jason's around again a little bit, but essentially I just don't, how does the studio sit here, watch the first couple of the movie, or even the dailies, and go, we are on the right track here, people. Like, this film deserved a stop halfway through production. Let's rework this. Let's go back to basics. Yeah, right? I, um, I don't know. I think that they were all blinded by the fact that they thought they were going to make a bank load of money and yeah. uh, did not consider, oh, hey, word of mouth is a thing. People are going to come out of this movie and say, "Oh, don't bother! Don't bother seeing it. Jason's only in the movie for like fifteen minutes." They they were hoisted by their own petard, I believe is the correct terminology. They were blinded by what they were going to get and not keeping an eye on what they were producing. The real star of this movie is actually New Line Marketing. Because the marketing for this film was excellent. Because mm-hmm. they get this cool-looking poster. We get this statement, Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. Like, they really gave it that 90s amped up, you know. But you've got this really cool kind of imagery with it. Um, we'll talk about being... That's definitely the first version of buying something from Wish. <laughs> you know? you Most definitely, this, yes. And then you're getting that. So... Yeah. Um, what do you think about the kills? Because we've we've talked about eight of these films, and one of the big things we talk about 
generally is the kills. We've, we've seen some incredible kills. Talk about some of the kills, Jason. What were some of the ones you thought stood out in this film? Oh, well, I think that Luke and Deborah in the tent, again, I thought it was a very exploitive scene that really, I don't want to say it didn't belong there because it is a Friday the 13th movie, but it did feel very tacked on. The unrated version of the kill, I don't know if you watched the unrated version or not, but poor, poor, poor Deborah is basically chopped in half with a fence post. <laughs> and yeah, you but see, I think I didn't watch the unrated because I there yeah. was a cutaway. I think. Yeah, basically stabbed in and then ripped up like that, and her body just kind of goes eh, like that. Yeah, and it's a practical yeah, no, effect. It looks the really good. Thing go in, and I see the harp, and they cut right at that moment, so I yeah. don't see the whole thing. Yeah, that was okay, a that's... fantastic kill. Uh, then uh, the poor, poor cop who, after Jason's essence is transferred into the slimy boyfriend, basically yeah. he melts. And at one point he gets up and his jaw has fallen off and he's just sitting there just, just, I don't know. To me, that was really cruel. Yeah. And it was very unjason like but I had to say it was spectacular effects work. And you know what? This film doesn't. Again, one of the big strengths is the the effects are really great here. I'm not happy with the design of Jason. I don't like the decayed mask melting into the face. Like, I don't like that either. No, I still stand by number seven iteration of Jason. Like the best one, yes, my favorite. Yeah. Um, so I didn't like that, but the effects were top notch in the sake of the quality. I'm going to ask you a question about Melty Cop. Is that what? It, it, by that scene, was the implication that as soon as Jason leaves that body, that's what happens to everybody? That's the implication. But we I don't kind get of, any... No, nothing's ever filled again. in. I kind of oh. got the feeling that when Jason went into a body, that he burned out the body. And basically... Which like, I like. Just, Yeah, which I thought was fine. But again... Yeah. We needed a sex scene in a tent, so we don't get any of this information. I'm pretty sure somebody at New Line was like, it's a Jason movie. They don't need any of this information. They Is forgot how discerning that... we are, though. Is it weird when I'm watching this film that I'm kind of annoyed by the sex scenes and nudity in this film? Because I had three films prior where they went away from that, and the majority-wise. Like, this felt as seedy as number five, if not more. In regards was, to the nudity? I was, I don't want to say I was annoyed, but I did notice that it was unnecessary. It was very yeah, tacked I on. That's a better term. Now, now I, by saying it's unnecessary, there's a sex scene in the next movie that is necessary and it's essential to the plot. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like a prolonged joke. That's fine. But whenever you're just throwing that out there just to be shocking and uh, sensuous, not sensuous, licentious, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it feels desperate. It feels and exploitive, that's, too. Yeah, that's, that's, it was desperate and it was exploitive. Uh, <laughs> funny, funny thing, though. Michael B. Silver and Michelle uh, Colney, Clooney, I believe, is her name, yeah. uh, who played Luke and Deborah, the couple who were in the tent. Yeah. had actually been a couple in real life and had broken up before filming started. Oh. And so they had to do this really awkward scene in this tent being uh, pretty much estranged from each other by this point. That definitely, <laughs> so, they're, they're awkward at the best of times. Filming yes, they are. That, that was that. 
a very awkward thing. Yes. Um, I will say though, uh, the director of this movie did comment that he wanted to equalize the male and female nudity because he wanted it to be more even handed instead of just exploiting the women. So I guess that's kind of worthy of applause. I think maybe progressive at its time. Good intentions. Like, you know, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, Oh, this movie doesn't need nudity. It's uh well, let's just throw in, let's throw in this guy's, Harry butt in a couple of scenes and that'll make everybody happy mm. no <laughs> the director of this film Adam Marcus I believe the guy's name he had it must be said though this guy's been involved with Friday the 13th for a long time yes was an assistant I believe in part two production assistant which was interesting um, yes they thought at one point that they courted apparently John McTiernan the director of Die Hard and Toby Hooper. <laughs> Surprised they didn't get Toby though, because Toby at that point in his career wasn't making great things. He really was movie. not. He kind of peaked with Poltergeist, and that was about well, I guess yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Poltergeist, and then that was. Didn't, uh, he, that do, was it. didn't he do um, Invaders from Mars as well? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. It was such a great and movie. Was it Life Force one of his as well? I don't know if he did Life Force, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, because that was Patrick Stewart. Yes, Patrick Stewart. Yes. Yes. Um, no. Yeah. Like it, it is. It is. It. it I, I know we keep going on about the director and that, but it does inform why this film falls apart in so many ways. But it does have the nice moments. And when we talk about the douchebag boyfriend, who I believe is the son of Robert Culp, Stephen Culp. Looks like he could be. Yeah. 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 Um, when he's possessed, they get the moment where they stab him with a, I don't know, a pole. Inanimate Rod, which seems to be the big star of these films. Um, <laughs> I do like the classic you stabbed me, and I think it's the first time I've seen this. I'll pull into it. Yes. Moment, which which kind of I like. And he, the way how much blood he was covered in and how menacing he was. I he was really actors, good, yeah. Each actor tried to embody the menace and the, the drive of Jason. Um you know, which was kind of, kind of cool, I suppose. So yeah, I, but, I I also have to talk about this diner scene because I had forgotten that Leslie Jordan was in this movie. Oh my God, Leslie the, Jordan was in this movie. The late great Leslie Jordan, who went yeah. on to do fantastic things in his career, and he found all these yeah. fans on TikTok and left us way too soon. But uh, most of the recently, dialogue, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just about a year ago. The most yeah. of the dialogue in this di- in the diner scenes was improvised by him and Rusty Schwimmer, the the woman who played the the yeah. the mean owner. But all their stuff was was improvised. The director just basically said action and just let him go at it. And I just I just loved the whole whenever the fact that it was so funny they had him say it twice whenever Jason's coming towards him and in that wonderful Leslie Jordan voice that oh shit <laughs> and then he says it again and it's it's funnier the second time the fact that they're like we got nothing else going for this movie leslie try to save us i so do what i can if so. you guys out there don't know leslie jordan you're probably most famously known for his role in will and grace which he was yes excellent in but he is a talented man from and, you know, he died young. He died in October 24 last year. He was only 67. 
So he was still kind of young. But yeah, perfect casting for this, you know. And you know what? I don't know if any of the cast really stick out as poor performers as such. Just poor material to work yes. with. You know? Um, they do, yeah. I will say, Leslie Jordan, uh, Rusty Schwimmer, uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten his name, the man who played Duke. Uh, Stephen they, Williams. Stephen Williams. They do elevate what they're given. And yeah. that, I mean, Duke is yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. I, they try. They do try. And, and it would have been great to have brought him back for something like Freddy versus Jason. Oh, it would have been like wonderful. That. Yeah. You know, to have him I'd love to him. see him and Tommy Jarvis team up with, uh, you know, uh, Nancy and just, yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do? Great, there's a great... Um, well, there's a fan-made film being currently made at the moment with the actor um, who played Tommy in Part 6 returning. Um, and I'll pop it up on the screen here. Tom Matthews. Uh, yeah, he's returning. I like Tom Matthews. I, yeah, thought, I wish he would have done more stuff. Fan-made Friday the 13th. Because this is where we're at at the moment. There is nothing happening in this franchise except for the Brian Fuller prequel series that will be coming out in the spring over there. Um, the thing but, that absolutely nobody asked for, yes. Yes, absolutely. Another prequel series. Let's. Brian Fuller, I mean. Everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but essentially, there's nothing happened in the cinematic universe. So fan films now are becoming that outlet for a lot of people. So, yeah, And we will do that at some point, guys. We've already been sent some fan films and stuff like that. And I think it would be remiss for us not to spend an episode having a look at some of this stuff considering all the time we spent on Friday the 13th. Jason, you're going to explain to me how they kill Jason here and the idea behind it. I'm still baffled by it. Okay, Magic so... dagger, like... Yeah, again, they they put so much new stuff into the lore that we've never heard of before. we got magic daggers. We have, yeah. we have worms that pop up out of people. We have yeah. soul transference. Uh, we have a little nerd running up and punching Jason in the face and getting away with it. May I remind you that the last guy who punched Jason in the face literally got his head knocked off? Yes. Uh, yes. The, the, the last... And the bin and the lid closed. Exactly. And then Jason picked it up and put it in the cop car because he's all about presentation. <laughs> Absolutely. Fish uh, we. Yes. Uh, the... <laughs> the last 10 minutes of this movie, I honestly feel like they did not even have a script for. I was confused. I, I, I don't think they had a script. I think that they just had a very poorly choreographed fight scene, which again, yeah. the plot armor that the main characters have in this movie is outstanding because Jason literally picks up people and crushes their heads, but he grabs he grabs this guy. He grabs uh, Steven, holds yeah. him up for like 30 seconds while he's kicking and never hurts him. Wow. Uh, it's It's just so... Weird, but I don't the think they had a... of the own movie change depending yeah. on the needs of the scene. I I don't think that the I don't think the fight scene was really scripted out. I think in the script it probably said there is a fight. Let's make it up as we go along. But yeah, this magic dagger. Who I don't even think that they explained where it comes from. No. But it's this magical transforming dagger, and if you can stab Jason through the heart with it, then he dies forever. And while Yay. Jason is. While Jason is taking five minutes to beat up this little nerd that he should have killed in 10 seconds, mm. it gives Watserface a chance to go down into the 
into the basement of this building, pick up the knife, and come and stab him with it. And that apparently signals the denizens of hell to come up out of the ground and drag him down with these very unconvincing foam puppet hands. Look at how yeah, happy he looks. It's supposed to look scary, but it, it just... Hey, Jason, guess who? Guess who? Comes off Muppet-wise. It, we is, get to it looks the, like that Labyrinth. moment of him being dragged to hell. Which, mind you, talk about not like false advertising. Because Jason goes to hell, I'm expecting him to see Jason facing off Satan. Yes. Like, if you tell me Jason's going to hell, put him in the uh, in in the underworld. Put him would there. that would not have adventure. been a great ending to this movie? As have Satan sitting on his throne. All of a sudden, you see this machete come down, and Satan goes, "Oh crap." <laughs> You know, one of the things about this franchise, when you're talking about... Did you ever hear the story about Kevin Smith? The director, Kevin Smith, was once pitched an idea by the Weinsteins about doing a Jane Silent Bob film. This is after 2001 and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back made money. Where You've already they, got my attention. <laughs> he got pitched the idea of having Jane Silent Bob meet the New Line monsters. Kind of like an Abbott and Costello concept. That would have been and, outstanding. And, and and this Kevin Smith tells a great story. So he, he's getting pitched this idea. You know, we we own we own Pinhead, we own Freddy, we own Jason. Let's put you in a film together with them, right? And he he's, he said to the Weinstein at the time, "That's ridiculous." I don't know. And he goes back and tells Ben Affleck. He goes, "Can you believe the Weinstein sold me this?" And Affleck turned around and goes. That is the dumbest idea ever. It would make millions of dollars. It would. I would go see it three times in one day. Already. They missed opportunity. Because Friday Friday would have been great if they went kind of goofy, you know? One of the things that they never kind of got after part six was Schumer can be a great driving force in these films if handled correctly. They almost had it at first. They really did. They almost had it at first in this movie. They did, but they just don't. And then you get, like, in this movie, we get scenes like, you know, that worm... Because the idea is Jason's going to get reborn. Isn't this the idea? To... Yes. So we get the scene with the waitress and that thing crawling up her dress, and I'm like, God Yeah, damn that's it. just... Uh, why? It's just wrong on so many levels. But... You know, the greatest... Aaron, Aaron Gray's laying there like, I'm sorry, you're going to do what now? It's going where? where? How much am I getting paid? Where's the body double? Where's the body <laughs> double? That's what I would have said. But you're right. Okay, we, we, let's just get to the end of it. There were two moments that I know in the cinema the audience really cheered. The moment Jason gets mowed down by the SWAT team and then, of course, this moment here. Yes. Which is... The way the studio going, we have plans. Yes. Um, and and it's really oddly placed, really kind of delightful to see it at the time because you go, oh, my God. Because mm-hmm. crossovers then, you know, we live in the world of crossover with the well, superhero. We had been told for so many years that there was going to be a Freddy versus Jason movie. And then to see that, to see Freddy Krueger doing a cameo, in a Jason movie, that was that was con- confirmation. It was coming next year, wasn't it? Exactly. Wasn't it? And, and wasn't and it? That was the expectation, wasn't it? That, that's what I had. I'm like, okay, I can live with that because I'm gonna get this next. Yes. And which 
I suppose we'll get into that with, um, I suppose, a bit in Jason X and then Freddy versus Jason, but we had to wait 10 years before we finally got that matchup. Is it is it spoiler? Is, is it spoiler to say that it was worth it? <laughs> no, it's great. You know, and that's just putting it out there, guys. We are fans of that movie, um, yes. and fan of the next Friday Thirteenth comes up. My memory of the next Jason X is a very good memory. Um, with some oh, great uh, inventive kills. Who do you think played Freddy Krueger in this movie? Well, you're not getting Robert to put his arm up there, are you? No. So, no, you got me. I would have no idea. Could have Kane Hodder. Kane Hodder played Yay, the, played Kane. Freddy's arm. Yep, so yeah. there you go. The only Kane person to play both fun. Freddy and Jason. Is this Kane's final performance? No, he was in Jason X. And that was unfortunately his final performance because they stupidly decided to go in a different direction for Freddy versus Jason, which I love that movie, but I hate the fact that Kane Hodder wasn't in it because he wanted to be in it. He had been in the franchise for so long. He's a lovely human being. He should have he should have been left in that role. You know, we watched previous versions of obviously we've seen all the Friday Thirteenth recently up to this point, and you know between three and four and five, well not five, maybe two, three and four, you can tell with the body language that it's not it's different. And at this point, even in number nine, when we do see Jason, there's no doubt about that because Kane has embodied that character so well. Yes. So when you are seeing him in it, yeah, you you don't have that, oh, he's not moving right. He doesn't feel right. Why is he doing this? No, nah, Kane Hodder. Yeah, big mistake. This film is I full agree. of mistakes. It's a film that, to be honest with you, mate, I don't have much more to say on it because it I, is... I want to know, speaking of mistakes, speaking of mistakes, did you notice the biggest mistake at the very end of the movie? And once you may know it, if you don't, you will never be able to unsee it. You've got me intrigued. Okay. They left the baby at the house. They did too. They left that baby in the house, house. because the final shot of them two walking off, they ain't got no baby. There's a what? baby in the basement of this house going, Mama? Daddy? <laughs> Somebody called child services. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to see like them walking off into the distance. like, And then all of a sudden she goes, oh my God! And she, like turns around and runs back. And then she comes back with the baby in her arms. Which I know it was a full day. I know it was a full day and a full night. And a lot of things happened. But that was your baby, lady. Yeah, I don't think you'd forget your baby. I really don't. <laughs> um, yeah, that's yeah, that changes it a little bit. Not that I'll go back to watch it again to <laughs> check it out. Um, I may check no, out the first 10 minutes. Yeah. The first 10 minutes are amazing. Film, you can almost yeah. make it as a short film, The Death of Jason. Yeah, um, just leave it right there. I, I think it would have been great just to play those first 10 minutes, cut to black and roll the credits, just to see everybody's reaction like, that's it. I just don't understand that you buy, you obtain a franchise, right? Poorly handled by lawyers, as we explained. But oh, you yeah. buy a franchise that is built upon Jason Voorhees and you kill him in the first 10 minutes? It just doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense when you release, like, the studio exec got the first draft or third draft of this film that at any point in the studio go, hang on, we just paid millions of dollars for the rights of this franchise and you want to kill the main character? This feels like more of a choice of ego from the director 
rather than what was going to be right for the franchise. I think that there was a lot of egos involved in this movie, and I do think that it ruined what could have been an entertaining movie. I mean, even even a movie like uh, Freddy's Dead, which is an awful movie, has got its moments. This well, movie on. has Wait. one moment. Wait a second, I put on my 3D glasses because the screen's telling me to do so. Yes. Sorry, I saw uh, that in the cinema. Sorry, sorry. It's a, it's a, yeah. It, it's they, they bungled two, two deaths of, uh, of characters, and uh, yeah, I don't know. But that movie at least had its moments. This movie is just a slog to get through. It makes no sense. It's annoying. It's weird, uh, and it translated into the box office because New Line Cinema was expecting this to be a huge movie. And it turned out to be the second worst performing Friday the 13th movie ever mm-hmm. making. Only, I mean, it still made money, but it made only $16 million off of a $3 million budget. Yeah. Well, at least new line was still being fairly responsible expenditure wise. Yes. Um, and if that film made that amount of money, you know, based on what we said earlier, it's marketing, dude, it was a great poster. It's a great idea. It's making a statement. This is it. This is the franchise you've loved for a decade. This is the final chapter. Um, until so, the next chapter. Until the next chapter. Until they realize how bad they screwed up and they need to do it. And again, why do you buy a franchise and not pump out another three or four sequels? Which you totally could have done with this. Oh, Jason yeah. could have really been fleshed out in the 90s quite well. I would have loved to have seen Jason Goes to L.A., I think that would have been if they wanted to do something different. There it is. I think if they wanted to do opportunity to put Jason in different environments where Manhattan was exciting when Jason actually eventually gets to Manhattan, it was really cool and refreshing to see him in a different environment. And why wouldn't you play on that? Yeah, and I like those movies because not only is it a new environment, you're seeing Jason having to adapt to a new environment. Yes. that kind of puts our main character in a place where he's not the most powerful character. Yeah. And I, I like that. I would have loved to have seen the first 10 minutes of this movie expanded into a feature film where the SWAT teams decide we have to take Jason out. You know, you maybe know call it Jason, Jason Must Die or something like that. You know, all these films, are, you know, no, there's no original idea. So why don't I take the Jason concept and add a bit of natural born killer's flavor to it? Make Jason become a popular icon to the general public. You know, what an expansive way you could have taken a character that is almost idolised by some section of society and the news media are getting involved and all that. There's a film alone, let alone you like Jason in the snow, Jason in Australia, Jason fucking, you know, <laughs> at Walmart. Who cares? Just put Jason in different environments. Oh, you know Jason would arrive in Australia and be killed within three seconds. Yeah. The kangaroo he, he would, would just blow he would, up to him. He would walk out with that machete, look around, and all of a sudden uh, you just hear the <laughs> Next thing you know, there's a koala on his mask, and he's going, <laughs> Come on, man. You know, Jason film in Australia, you're going to get the, what the bloody hell is that? Struth. Holy well, that's crap. Not... Like, a lot of oh. Aussie stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a knife. That's a <laughs> Crocodile Dundee versus Jason. I would have so been. I that. would get in line you know, for that in a minute. And mid nineties, Paul Hogan needed the work, so he would have done. Absolutely, it. <laughs> absolutely. Well, well, absolutely. I need to. Buy, I need to make a payment on my Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and then you you bring Jason to Australia so he can be in Crocodile Dundee's territory. 
Yes, like exactly. Crocodile Dundee too, and then he can pick him off. Oh, that would and be he gets amazing. Taken by Croc. Oh, mate, this movie. We are writing the next Friday. We 30. are. Who, who owns the Australia. rights to? Who owns the rights to Friday the Thirteenth? Now is it Paramount <laughs> again? Paramount. No, a bunch of different lawyers at this point because yeah. I haven't worked out the deal yet. I thought that they did. Okay, I don't know. Whoever owns Jason, if you want to make money, call us. Jason goes to Australia. J- yeah, Jason, natural-born Jason. Jason must die. We've got a million yes. ideas that will make you I'm millions of dollars. Yeah, you know, and it's it's ripe for that type. This series, if anything, um, it is ripe for that kind of thing because at no point throughout this entire series, past number two, the, the films are pretty well tongue-in-cheek. There's always an element of that. You know what you're in for. Well, I think number two, part two, has been the darkest, most sinister one out of all of them. Um, yeah, they, you know, you're having fun with this franchise at this. And at this point, hey, man, you're doing the Fast and Furious, we're going to space, which they do in the next film. But why not? Why not? You know? No, um, I'm all for it. You know, why didn't Cannonball, why didn't they take the Cannonball Run Wacky Races concept and make Pinhead versus Jason in a, in a post-apocalyptic car race? See you go. Like, have a Death Race 2000 except for New Line Horror People. Again, come on, guys. We can make you millions of dollars. We're not Just even high on let cocaine. Us... We don't even no. do drugs. No, we, we don't. I don't even drink. I don't even drink no, sodas. neither do I. This is like, pure water. this wide. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, no, it's just, it's, it's, it, what all this conversation, Jason, is that we were wholly disappointed in this. Movie. Incredibly so. Uh, I was actually a defender of this movie for a while because it did do something different. But after watching it again, this movie is a train wreck. It's just, it's not, it, it does not understand what it's supposed to be. It doesn't understand what it is. And it takes, it basically, in my opinion, betrays an entire fan base. And I know that's yeah. a strong word. It does. It it promised us Jason's final hurrah, and he's hardly even in the movie. And I think that, that was such a disappointment. It's also a strange time in the industry, too, because isn't this at the point, like I said, Freddy's dead has already happened in New Line. And now where's Craven's writing New Nightmare? Now, yes. that is an interesting film to take a risk, to do something different with it. Now, yes. I don't know what and you think was, of the film. It I was incredibly successful. It's one yeah, of my favorites. I really like New Nightmare quite a lot. Um, and, you know, that's where, you know, you're in the same studio. Maybe, you know, try to get a bit more clever. Either way, they screwed up. Um, but it's made. But if this film wasn't made, would we have ever gotten the next film to in this series? I don't know. I I don't know either. Um, I don't even know if we would have Freddy versus Jason if this movie had ever had never been made. So I guess in some weird Isn't way we should. Shot? Yeah, in some weird way we should be happy. I guess because some yeah. studio heard people cheering and thought, okay, we got to make that happen. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, there you go. That was it, guys. That's what we thought of. Well, it's not a Friday the 13th film. Jason Goes to Hell's the final Friday. Um, yeah, look, I will never watch this film ever again. Uh, Probably won't either. Like I said, yeah. maybe the first 10 minutes because the first 10 minutes is spectacular. This whole retrospective series has been like a roller coaster. We've had highs and lows and we've just hit a low. 
But I must say, the next one we get to do, Jason X, my memory is we get back to a high. So we've got something to look forward to. I've actually already watched it. Have you really? I have. And, I've already watched and, and, it. And, and without you know, spilling all the tea, that, is it a high in your opinion? It is stupid. Delightfully stupid. That's all there we, we go. For at this point. In film 10, what more can you expect? Yes. So. All right, guys. That was it. Thanks for watching. And, of course, if you do enjoy our stuff, don't forget. Uh, wait a second. Wait a second. We need to what spin are... something. Oh, what are you doing? How would I? How did I? Did I forget you. this, Jason? You like, did. I'm and so I'm disappointed. offended. I was. Oh, man. Look, let's face it. I've been so disappointed with that film that I just wanted out. But you're right. <laughs> You're right. I've been, I, that's the only reason why I watched this movie, so we can spin <laughs> yeah, the stupid wheel. wheel. Exactly. All right, Jason, let's get into it. We do this every time. What would you like? I know you've been on I, a night about the animated. Mate. I want animation. I still want animation. I don't want drama. I want animation. Yeah. Not a, you not are a no not drama, a drama type of guy, so that makes yeah. sense. I wouldn't mind. I think I need a palate cleanser, Jason. I'm going to go with family this, this time. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a family. Okay. Let's find out. <sighs> oh no <laughs> oh f word effing <laughs> f word there we go we got a drama guy but <sighs> let's let's just put it out there jason you put all these drama films i in did here, but so. a lot of these movies i don't even care for and there are a lot in here dude that i can't even wow okay just... i i wouldn't mind the day after because that one is rough okay no Way Out is a great film. Iceman. Iceman's a good movie. Yeah. To Live and Die in L.A. is a great film. War Games is a great film, dude. Yeah. Okay, like, some of the these don't look that bad. I don't oh. know what Mr. Jesus. Did I put Jesus of Nazareth on there? What is wrong you with me? put Jesus of Nazareth on Oh, my gosh. We're going to go to hell if we do that one. <laughs> well, there's only one way to find out. It'll Jason. be Jason's go to hell. <laughs> Here we go. This is interesting. Oh this dear. Oh, oh I'm actually happy with this choice. Hey. I am very happy with this choice. I have never seen it. Okay, I don't know what your interest is of the well let's call it the romantic period of the space race. I love it. I don't know Dude, why I've never are, seen you this are movie. In for a treat. Okay this then. Is, this is amazing. I've always wanted to see a movie about new kids on the block. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, thankfully, oh. that wasn't. It was the right stuff. Earlier in this. No, the right stuff is an excellent film. It's a slow film, but fantastic. Really, really good. So I'm excited. Well, I am to looking see that. forward to it. I've always, I've, I've always said I want to see it, but it's just never entered my, my sphere, I guess. And mm. now it has, and I can finally make up this deficiency that I've had all my life. You know what? I've got to say, this is probably the first film that we've done so far that I would consider that Oscar-level type of production. I think like Hugh the Winged Serpent talent, is Oscar-level. Top-tier directing. Sorry, what was... Q. Q the Winged Serpent was Oscar-level. And so is Friday the 13th Part 6. Yes. Oh, no, I'm not saying that we haven't watched some great films. We've watched some great <laughs> stuff. But this is... Yeah, this is the next tier of filmmaking, I think. So it'll be really interesting to see that. 
All right, guys, that's what we spun. You've got yourself a couple of weeks to watch the right uh, stuff. Uh, 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 Don't forget, Jason uh, uh, X will be coming uh, uh, up in a few weeks too. Uh, uh, so we've got that, and which means we're right getting close, stuff. Jason, to the end of um, where we stop watching Friday the 13th films and we go in a slightly different direction and come back full circle. Yes, we start watching The Land Before Time. Who knew that there was a there was what was the main character? I was going to do a joke. Littlefoot character versus versus Jason. Littlefoot versus Jason. There you go. There's the gag I was looking for. Uh, all right, guys, that's what we got coming up. Thanks for watching the VHS file. As I tried to start before, before I forgot the whole segment. If you like what you see, please remember to like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't, and hit that notification bell because it'll let you know when stuff is coming out. And it's important to us because. We've got nothing else better going on in our life, so we want to develop this channel and keep making content that for you guys that you like. Please help. That... I need purpose. Yes. All right. Well, I'm Jason. That's I'm Jason. Jason. Yes. I'm over here. You pointed the wrong direction. Yeah, I, I always do that. I'm completely wrong. Well, I've got another <laughs> Jason there. He's holding a, an inanimate rod. I don't know what he's planning on doing with it, so we'll find out. All right. We'll see you guys on the next VHS Vault. Check out SpectrumSanctorum.net for all of our podcast merch. We have an entire merch store ready to give you all the things that you loved about our podcast. And get notified on all of our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and our Spectrum Sanctorum merch store. Follow us today and be sure to hit that bell when you're watching our YouTube videos so you can be notified of when a new episode releases.